Hello and welcome to Afroqueer. I'm your host, Sally Chum. From what you've been telling us, you're loving season four so far. And same here. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode featuring some of the brave and passionate filmmakers who produce queer films in Kenya and Nigeria. And special shout out to Rachel, our social media maven, who took us through that story. So go back and take a listen if you haven't yet. Today's episode is a powerful one. It's a story that illustrates both the cruelty and the kindness of human beings. And in an exclusive interview, we spoke with Ugandan musician Shivana, who told us how she overcame one of the most challenging experiences of her life. This is truly a story of survival, a warning that in some parts, the details are graphic and troubling. Sasilo muchala bambi woman ewa muchala daga tilavo muchala kaba woman don't cry My name is Shivana I am from Uganda a recording and performing artist a lesbian very proud and out I am a mother of a son 10 years old so proud to say that my very first song was called Woman. After doing my woman song, I officially came out of the closet around the age of like 17 years old. Yes, there were challenges coming out. In Uganda, it was really, really bad. However, I was tired of adjusting to the world that is not mine or adjusting to who I wasn't. Shivana's public coming out didn't go down very well. She left the group she was in and found that the music managers, mostly male, had blacklisted her. I tried looking for other groups and I couldn't because there was a blockage. Do not allow Shivana to that group. She's going to recruit all your girls. She's going to make them lesbians. So Shivana decided to go solo. And she started receiving calls from the queer community. They're like, if they don't want to give you shows, we always have queer events. I can proudly say at that time I was even doing better than, than the groups I had left. So it felt so good to find a community. She was thriving musically, and soon she met someone and fell in love. The relationship lasted six years, but when it ended in 2019, Shivana found herself isolated by the queer community. She stopped getting booked for gigs, and she struggled to make ends meet. With a son to support, she had to do something, and quickly. I'm like, okay, so if no one is willing to help me, I think I need to figure out something, my own other way of surviving. So that's when the idea of looking for a job out of Uganda came in. How I found out about the opportunity in Dubai was through an ex-backup dancer of mine. She's like, I can connect you to my agent. So Shivana met the agent. He told her she needed a passport, her national identification document, a few passport-sized photos, and money. About 800,000 Ugandan shillings, which is about 230 U.S. dollars. 
I, I didn't even have that amount. But of course, I gathered a few things here and there, uh, sold a few things, got a few loans from friends. The agent offered her a job as a singer and a dancer in a club. He told me there was a club called Vegas in Dubai. It's like it's an African club and mostly Ugandans, East Africans and Nigerians. She couldn't believe her luck. Yeah, she was still hurting after the end of the relationship, but life was starting to look up. There was a lot of excitement and relief that, okay, finally, my son is going to be fine. I am going to be fine, even financially. Ticket and passport in hand, Shivana set off to the airport, only to be turned away from the flight by immigration. Her visa wasn't in order. The agent said it was a clerical error and promised to sort out the problem. And after a few days, Shivana went back to the airport. This time, she made it through immigration and she boarded the flight. Once the plane, like, you know, took off, I'm like, whoa. It, it was like taking a whole deep breath of like, oh, I'm leaving all my problems here and it's time to start, you know, a whole new beginning. She had been given the number of a man to contact when she arrived in Dubai. If she was questioned by immigration, he was her fiancé, and she was there to shop for the wedding. To make the call, she had to borrow a phone from one of the airport security people, and then she had to wait. Eventually, the man and two women arrived to pick her up. I was taken to a motel, and I was told to rest. And then the next morning... The same set of ladies came back and they told me they've come to take a few pictures because the boss needs them. Me, I'm already excited. I know I'm taking, you know, superstar photos, <laughs> ready to slay. And I even wore nice clothes and posed for pictures. They also requested for my documentation so that they can buy me a line and get me an ID. So excited to even question it. I just handed over everything. So here she was in Dubai without her passport or ID. She had a phone, but no local SIM card. Then the women took her to the Vegas club where she would be working. It was full of people. She could hear other Ugandans in the club speaking. The boss wasn't there to meet her. So the women decided they would pick up Shivana's things from the motel and take her to where she would be sleeping. So I'm like, oh, so that's not where I'm going to be staying. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. We have a place for workers. Shivana was taken to a building in a remote area on the outskirts of town. As we enter through the building, I am seeing a whole, like, walkway. There are, like, curtains and curtains. That's when things started looking fishy for me. And I asked, who are the people that sleep there? Like, you'll just find out. But for you, you're not going to sleep there. We are going up. As we are going upstairs, you could hear sexual moans and screams. And then cries, like someone is crying. They sounded to be more of female voices. Upstairs is subdivided in rooms, but then also in those rooms, there are different curtains. So we get to this room, uh, and then they welcomed me, not in such a very good way, welcome. 
this is going to be your supervisor, this is going to be another supervisor. Those are the bouncers that we have, the security people. Can we have your phone, please? I'm like, uh, my phone, why? Because we bought for you a line and yeah, we'll need your phone. Ah, okay. I handed my phone and they're like, do you have another phone? I'm like, no, I don't have another phone. But I actually had another phone. My phone happened to black out at the airport and I, I put it somewhere in my bag so they didn't see it. Thank God. I started questioning and questioning. Before I knew it, I was receiving slaps and now I knew I was in real danger. And the bomb was given to me. I was there for sex work. They are the ones who are going to be talking to clients and bring them to me. I don't have to question them, know their name or anything. So basically, just be there and keep your legs open. Yeah. That's when the misery started. Shivana's suitcase and all her things were taken from her. They walk her to a small cubicle behind curtains. She's told she can't leave the building until she's proved to them that she's not going to cause trouble. She's told not to talk to anyone, not the clients and not the other women. You talk to the supervisors or the bouncers if you need anything. And the supervisors are, of course, definitely ladies. Actually, one of my supervisors was a Ugandan, to make it even worse. Days go by, and Shivana is trapped in an endless cycle of misery and harm. Then, one day, a man comes to Shivana's cubicle. Luckily, I happened to get a client that was so nice. And then he came and like, are you okay? You, your eyes are so teary. You, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. So he knows we're not supposed to talk to clients. So he wrote a text on his phone and showed it to me. I cleared it and I wrote a text to him back. And I'm like, I need to write a message to someone on Facebook. Can you help me log in? And I send a message. So the very, very, very first name that came to my head is a feminist called Solome in Uganda. Shivana and Salome knew each other through the activism they both did in the queer community. That man didn't sleep with me. So he was just there on top of me while we were texting and texting. He texts back and then he's like, he's, she's not online, but I'll make sure I come back here. That was the only string of hope that I had. And this guy didn't come back. So Shivana's managed to send a message to Salome, but now she has no way of checking whether she's had a reply. Then one Friday, I happened to have a sneaky conversation with one of the girls, and she gave me the password of the building because every building has its Wi-Fi. Now, Fridays are usually quiet days. It's the weekend in Dubai, so clients tend not to come. The owner of the brothel takes the day off, and so do the supervisors. In return for a sexual favor, one of the security men lets Shivana into the office. She says she needs to get some things from her suitcase. Remember, her Ugandan phone is hidden in there. I picked my bag. I picked the phone. I went and gave it to that girl who gave me the password. She charged it for me, and I hid it under my bed, but on silence, of course. So later in the night, I opened Facebook and I find Solomi had responded. 
requesting if if she can reach out to other people. I'm like, hey, even if you're bringing people from America, please <laughs> reach out, reach out to anyone you can reach out. And so let me, the first thing she told me, I know this is a very difficult situation you're in. Just hang in there and cooperate. I don't want you to get beaten so much. Just cooperate as I try my level best to look for help. She tried to reach out to a few queer, you know, organizations. But unfortunately, it was a no. She referred a friend from South Africa who is a feminist and an activist. And she reached out to her. And that friend from South Africa is the one who reached out to Sophie. My name is Sophie Otiende, a survivor advocate of human trafficking. I recently started a collective for survivors of trafficking in Kenya called Azadi. Sophie first looked for help in Uganda. But got no help. Some just went quiet as soon as we mentioned that Sivan was queer. And I know these are things that we didn't tell Sivan back then. But it was quite horrible to like listen to some of the things that people were telling us. She was sending voice notes, you know, where she's crying. She's explaining, you'd have to be completely inhumane to just also say, you know, I'm not going to support. And for me, it was just like, how are we getting this done? Sophie soon realized that none of the trafficking organizations were going to help Siobhan. And she and the other women, Antonia and Pumi, would have to put together a team to help on their own. So we formed a WhatsApp group and we started calling in like many different personal people that we knew that could potentially support the case. When we spoke to people, they basically just kept saying that it was too dangerous or would come up with a plan and someone would just stop communicating. So then would dismiss that WhatsApp group and come up with another WhatsApp group where the three consistent members were me, Antonia, and Pumi. One person who did offer to help was a therapist. Shivana always kept her phone hidden in the springs of her bed on silent. It was too risky for her to try to speak to the therapist. So the therapist communicated with Siobhan via text messages and voice notes. Just simple practical things that she could do to take care of herself despite the fact that she was in a really horrible situation. So the tips of not agitating the perpetrator. I knew how important it was for her to be in a good mental space if we were to actually get her out. So first up, some fundraising. We asked our friends for money and put together a kitty for Shivan because we already knew she was going to need a ticket, she was going to need documents, she was going to need food, clothes, all those things. And next, how are they going to get Shivana out of the brothel? Shivan had already informed us that she wasn't sure the police would be able to help. When you are caught in the Middle East in a place like a brothel, in most cases it's women even survivors of trafficking that would then be arrested and placed in detention centers. So going to the police was not a good option. It would endanger her rather than protect her. And then 
that's when I remembered that I had a friend of mine that was actually working in Dubai. When I reached out to him and I was like, this is what is happening. We have no plan. And we are asking you to risk your life. <laughs> we are not sure whether you'll get this person. But we are hoping that there's a half percent chance that, you know, if you act, we can be able to get her out of this situation. So when he had Shivan's story, he was just like, yeah, I'll do it because it's the right thing to do. Shivana had now been in the brothel for about a month. Unlike many survivors, we weren't talking about someone that doesn't have agency. Shivan knew exactly where she was. She had sent a pin location of where she was. She had sent images. She had sent detailed information. She was also behaving in the way that her traffickers wanted her to and had built up trust with her supervisors and the security people. Then came news that in a few days' time, Shivana was to move to another brothel just down the road. They can even let you walk because they have spies on the street and it's not like a far distance. It's just a few blocks to the other. Because Shivana would be allowed to walk alone, the team decided this would be the moment to enact the rescue plan and bring in Sophie's friend, to help. We sent money to him for the taxis and made sure that we booked an Airbnb in Dubai and we made sure that we booked the Airbnb as far away as possible from the brothel. And our idea was let's just get her out. We'll figure out everything else later on. We coordinated with Shivan. We put the time. We told her that she has to wear something distinct so that as soon as she gets out, that person can be able to trace her and can be able to pick her. The day came when Shivana was told to take her suitcase and walk to the other brothel. I told my supervisor I am going. She didn't even mind me. She was in another cube dealing with other clients. So I walked down, but by then already Sophie and the team had planned someone to find me along the route, which was so scary. They had told me what uh, my rescuer was putting on, how it looks like. They had sent a picture in the group. When I saw that gentleman, I was like, oh, okay, he's here. Now the only panic is for us to make sure and be careful we are not killed. We got into an Uber and whew, even in the Uber, the panic hadn't stopped. And we told him as soon as he had gotten Sivan, we wanted to speak to Shivan immediately. <laughs> and all of us just broke down and started crying. Like, all of us couldn't get our words out because she called the WhatsApp group and we just even couldn't speak. So it was very emotional. The entire team was trying to calm me down, but I knew the kind of danger we were in. Even, like, my rescuer knows how dangerous Dubai can be. And most especially the men who are in, you know, the sex business, you know. Like, they are so, so dangerous. So he was also scared, but, of course, he was a, quite a gentleman. He kept on calming me. Shivana was now safe in an Airbnb. But it wasn't simply a matter of getting her onto a flight back to Uganda. So most of the Middle East has a system called the kafala system. The kafala system basically means that most migrant workers or workers' visas are tied to their employer. So it's your employer who's sponsoring you 
and it's your employer who allows you to enter and leave the country at their will. <laughs> I basically say that it sounds like legalized slavery, which is what I think it is. <laughs> so when people tell migrant workers or people who go to the Middle East, you can just run away to where? Luckily, Sophie is well-connected, and she suddenly remembered that a Kenyan company that she had trained in human trafficking had an office in Dubai. She reached out. The CEO, who I had never even met, left everything, came and helped Shivan navigate the system. The system is easy to navigate when you have a powerful person with you. and. Now Shivan had a powerful person with her and a powerful person who's not black. So it was easy. So they basically took her, went to the police station, made sure she got the documentation, took her to a hospital, booked for her a return ticket. Finally, after a horrific ordeal, Shivana landed back in Uganda. I think I was in a shock mode. Yeah. When a lot of things have happened in the same time and they're all bad and they've all impacted you in different ways. Like it it was not just me being, you know, sexually abused as a woman. I was sexually abused in, in, in very many ways as a mother, as a lesbian, as you know, I, I, can't, I can't even explain the kind of shock mode. Shivana moved into a shelter, but the care for me didn't seem like that's the kind of care I wanted. You can't force me to go to church if I don't want to go to church. You can't force me to dress decently as if, if I dress it decently. Most organizations in the counter-trafficking space don't say that they are Christian, but foundationally, culturally, they are Christian. If you're not a Bible-praying, sometimes tongue-speaking survivor who believes Jesus is rescuing you and taking care of you, regardless of how many people are involved in your situation, Jesus did it all. <laughs> if that is not your narrative, it's very hard. People are happy to give you support so long as you comply with their rules, so long as you don't question. Being in Uganda was not helping Shivana work through her trauma. So Sophie offered to relocate her to Kenya. She agreed and her recovery began. So did Shivana ever get back to music? I did get back to music. <laughs> I did get back to music. If I didn't get the inclusion as a survivor, the spaces that Sophie and Azadi provided to me, you know, I wouldn't even have gotten financially stable to support myself to get back to studio. So I recorded a song that is called African Alia. It's a song uh, celebrating the rebellion of Africa from slave trade, but also creating awareness against the modern slave trade. I don't mind giving you a cappella. Yeah. I'm beating my drum on the African rhythm, thanking our forefathers for blessing our land, for waving the waves through calamity and crimes, leaving my days in African time, emigane nkuba, ebibida no musana, lanjiz enjuba, obulunjibo bebunkuba mamana ye. 
Mama Africa, Mama Africa, let's rise and save the land. Ya la la, Mama, Africa Nalia. That song, Africa, by Shavana, was up for Best Artist in the African Traditional Category of the 2021 All Africa Music Awards. That's pretty great. A huge thank you to Shavana for sharing your story and your music. And Asante to Sophie Otiende for the role played by her, Pumi, Antonia, the unnamed man in Dubai, and Salome in Uganda, and helping Shavana escape the traffickers. You can find out more about Sophie's organization, Azadi, a trafficking survivors group run by survivors in the show notes. This episode was produced by Penny Dale and Sally Chung. Written by Penny Dale. Sound editing by Mercy Barno and Tevin Sudi. Rachel Omoto is our social media manager. Afroqueer is executive produced by me, Sally Chung. Afroqueer is a production of AQ Studios. Our theme song is Power by Maya and the Big Sky. Afroqueer is supported by the Wellspring Philanthropic Fund and the Ford Foundation. You can follow us on all our social media platforms at Afroqueer Podcast, and you can listen to all our episodes on our website, afroqueerpodcast.com, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Sally Chum. Thanks for listening. Bawani ile, bawani ile inako.